Section 41 of Christmas and Christmas Lore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Christmas and Christmas Lore by Thomas G. Crippen. The Christmas Tree. Nothing in connection with Christmas gifts is more popular than the Christmas tree, with which, however, it is by no means certain that they were at first related. Its origin is very obscure, lost in the mazes of antiquity. Some folklorists think it had to do with the worship or invocation of the spirit of vegetation, and related to other ceremonial trees, such as the maypole, or the St. John's tree of the Erzgeberge, around which the people danced at the summer solstice. Some associate it with the story of St. Boniface, otherwise Winfred of Critician, an English missionary in Germany in the 8th century who is said to have cut down on a Christmas Eve a sacred oak, beneath which human sacrifices had been offered. As it fell, a young fir tree seemed to appear miraculously beyond it, and this, unstained with blood, the saint proposed as a sign or emblem of the new faith. Others connect the Christmas tree with an old legend about a marvelous transformation of nature at the birth of our Lord, when the rivers flowed with wine and the trees blossomed in the midst of ice and snow. With this legend may be associated a custom in Austria, Corinthia, and Tyrol, where boughs of cherry, pear, or hawthorn are gathered early in December, and put in water or wet sand indoors, that they may blossom at Christmas. Akin to this may be what we read of in London in the 15th century, when holm, holly, ivy, and bay were made into a standard tree on Cornhill. Half a century later, a tree of gold appeared in a Christmas pageant presented before King Henry VIII. Although there is neither record nor probable tradition as to the origin of the Christmas tree, there is a pretty German folktale on the subject that is worth the telling. On a stormy Christmas Eve, a forester and his household had made fast the door, and gathered around a cheerful fire. By and by, knocking was heard outside, and the housefather, opening the door, saw a little child, cold, hungry, and all but exhausted. He was kindly welcomed, warmed, and fed, and little Hans insisted on giving up his bed to the stranger. In the morning, the family were aroused by the singing of a choir of angels, and, looking at their unbidden guest, they saw him transfigured, for he was none other than the Christ child. He broke off a branch from a fir tree and set it in the earth. See, said he, I have gladly received your gifts, and this is my gift to you. Henceforward, this tree shall always bear its fruit at Christmas, and you shall always have abundance. There could be no need to elaborate the meaning of this story, if we remember who it was that said, Inasmuch as ye have done it to one of the least of these, ye did it unto me. The Christmas tree, as we know it, is first met with in Germany about the time of Luther. Popular tradition, which though not corroborated by evidence, is not therefore necessarily incredible, ascribes its introduction to the great reformer himself, but the earliest definite mention of it as an established custom is in an anonymous MS dated 1605. It does not seem to have been generally common until far into the 18th century. It was sooner popular in Protestant than in Roman Catholic communities, and until quite lately it scarcely existed in some rural parts of Bavaria. Originally a purely domestic institution, it gradually found its way first into Protestant and then into Catholic churches, and at Munich it has even invaded the cemetery, where on Christmas Eve the graves were decked with holly and mistletoe, 
and sometimes a little Christmas tree with its gleaming lights. Leisurely as was the progress of this pleasant custom, by the middle of last century the Christmas tree had become almost universal throughout Germany. It was set up in almost every house, rich and poor, even where there were only elderly people. From thence it spread throughout the greater part of Christendom. It is said to have been adopted in Finland about 1800, and was known in Denmark and Norway in 1830. The very first Christmas tree in England is said to have been set up in Penschinger in 1829 by a German lady, Princess Levin. This was altogether an exotic, and the tree was only naturalized in England after it had been set up at Windsor Castle by Prince Albert in 1841. In the same year, it is said to have been introduced into Paris, and fifty years later, between 30,000 and 35,000 trees were sold in that city in one season. It seems doubtful if it was common in Bohemia or in Sweden much before 1860. Previously, in the last-named country, it was customary to set up a bare pole outside the house, not very unlike the Asherah forbidden in the Law of Moses. Since then, the Christmas tree has found a welcome in Holland, Switzerland, Italy, Spain, Austria, Russia, and America, largely through German influence, direct or indirect. It is not difficult to conceive that the Christmas tree may have been originally an embodiment of the spirit of vegetation, and may have been Christianized by association with the beautiful old legend of the tree of life. When Adam was dying, says the story, he sent Seth to the Garden of Eden to beg for the oil of mercy. This he could not obtain, but the guardian cherub gave him instead a sprig, or a seed, from the tree of life, which he was commanded to plant upon his father's grave. He did so, and therefrom grew a tree in which after ages afforded the wonder-working rod of Moses. Later it was cut down and cast away. But just because it had been thus rejected, it was taken up and fashioned into the very cross on which our Lord was crucified, and so became the tree of life indeed. That the Christmas tree was adorned with lights in, or soon after, Luther's time is certain. How soon it became the vehicle of gifts is more doubtful. To this day, in Germany, gifts of utilitarian character are never hung on the tree, but placed on the table beside it. In Denmark, where the tree has become as popular as in Germany, there is a pleasant custom that on returning from church on Christmas Eve, the whole family, including servants and visitors, join hands and march round the tree singing carols. The favorite carol on this occasion is the old macaronic, The Child is Born in Bethlehem. In some parts of Germany, the tree is made to typify the stem of Jesse, the human genealogy of our Lord. Adam and Eve stand at the foot, the serpent is twined around the stem, but at the top is a light, brighter than all the rest, the light of the world, the seed of the woman who should bruise the serpent's head. In recent years, an interesting development of the old custom has appeared in America. In several cities, a municipal Christmas tree has been set up in some open square or other public place, where it affords a gratuitous entertainment for the poor. Another modern American adaptation makes the tree a central feature in a distinctly religious service. The church is darkened, except for the dim light of two candles on opposite sides. The psalm, Out of the Depths, 130th, is sung, and then various messianic prophecies are recited, each by a separate voice. At each recitation, a taper is lighted on the tree, till the whole is illuminated. Then the gospel narrative is recited in like manner each section being followed by a hymn or carol, treated as a solo, trio, or quartet. The service ends with a hymn sung by the entire congregation, and the recital of the words of our Lord, I am the light of the world. 
This tree-lighting service is said to have been introduced by a minister who had been something of a similar character in Spain. It seems very like a festal inversion of the tenebrae, sung in Roman Catholic churches in the Holy Week. Like many other foreign importations, the Christmas tree has often been sadly bungled by English commercialism, and so completely robbed of its beautiful significance. The tree of bazaars and fancy fairs, with its load of toys to be sold off or allotted to purchasers of number tickets, is about as unlike the real thing as it well could be. The very essence of the symbolism is that the glittering fruit is a gift, not a purchase, and, which is not less important, that it rises over the crib wherein lay the babe of Bethlehem. For the Christmas tree is the tree of life. Let it arise in its evergreen verdure, bright with tapers, and bending down with treasures to be, not sold, but given as freely as the grace of God. Let the Christmas angel appear at the summit, and at its foot the manger, out of which grows the unfading tree. And so let the children learn from this beautiful object lesson that all things bright and sweet and precious are the gifts of the Holy Child, Jesus. End of section 41